It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. Yes, it is time for the post-game podcast. Eddie Scazzeri joins me today because Jerry is out today. He will be back tomorrow. CeeLo uh, joined me on the warm-up show, which you'll hear after this. But good afternoon, Eddie, I think. Good late morning afternoon. Hello, podcast people. I have a. I got a question on Twitter. I didn't ask for questions because um, uh, I, I don't want to do that. Every time we do this, I enjoyed yesterday's talk without questions, but I did get a direct message from somebody that asked me, could you ask Eddie this in the podcast? All right. And this is a fellow named uh, Nick Garvey. He's uh, written to me before. He said, uh, need need Eddie's advice on tomorrow's postgame. I adopted a new pit bull, four months old. Won't stop drinking water, including outside, off of sidewalks and puddles. Will drink a gallon of water if I put it down. Also won't stop peeing inside, knows it's wrong, she hides. Have you ever heard of a dog that won't stop drinking water? Uh yes. There You have. Yeah. There um it could be nothing at all uh serious or it could be something serious. Like um I don't want to speculate, but I would have him, Nick, uh Nick? take uh take her to the vet, explain the problem. Mm-hmm. and then see what the uh, possible solutions are. I definitely would not allow her to drink from puddles outside. Right. Uh could be all sorts of poisonous or just disgusting things. And you could also, in the short term, just try removing the water, like the water bowl, just put it down on at limited times. But there also could be an underlying cause that, that could be more serious as to why she's doing that. Right, so, like if she's always thirsty. Yes. So veterinary uh, care would be, I would uh, go sooner rather than later. And how about the second part? He says, well, she's peeing in the house and she clearly knows it's wrong because she's hiding after she does it. Right. But she's drinking so much water that <laughs> she can't help it. And, you know, he can't pay attention 24-7 or perhaps he works and has to, you know, put her, uh, you know, leave her at home alone or whatever. So, right. you know, they, uh, and do- most dogs will understand that it's wrong to, you know, urinate or poop in the house and they don't want to do that. So they will hide because they know they did a bad thing. Yeah. I had to have like, when I first got uh whimsy girl, these greyhounds, she was four years old. They, they don't know how to walk upstairs because there's no stairs at the track where they lived. So right. they, they never dealt with stairs. So they say that's one of the things you have to teach them. And I'm lucky that I have a, a landing midway up the stairs so you could take a rest there. But I used to have to physically walk her one paw at a time. Yeah. And when she would get to the top, she looked so ashamed. Like it was sad to see because she looked ashamed that she couldn't do it. Yeah. But now, no problem. Oh, yeah. Now she's up and down. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she used to, it was so sad. Like, they bow their heads, and she was just, like, put her head and walk yeah. and, and uh, hide in a corner just from not knowing how to walk up the stairs. Right. And now she's yeah. uh, dominating you. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward a few months, and now if, she, if I try to take a rib bone off her, she bites bites at me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that came up on the program today, which I thought was interesting, I, you seem to have a strong take on, on it as I do, is this um, the COVID vaccine. And there's this idea, I think, for people that do not want to take this vaccine yet, that they're suddenly anti-vaxxers and are against all vaccines. Which is not the case. Which is not the case. But you seem very strongly about wanting to take the vaccine. 
Yeah, well, for me, there's a number of underlying, uh, as Boomer loves to say, comorbidity issues. (laughs) Sounds like death. Uh, Yeah, being fat, A, being a type 1 (laughs) diabetic, B, and also being on an immunosuppressive drug for one of my other conditions. So those things in combination uh, make it, for me, worth it. And this is coming from a guy who got type 1 diabetes because of a vaccine back in 1994. Yeah, which is a very fascinating story. You you were traveling to China mm-hmm. to visit your wife's family, is that correct. right? Correct, that is correct. And you had to get all sorts of vaccines in order to be let into the country. Right, and they give this to military guys all the time. It's called a gamma globulin shot, and uh, so I had one of those, and uh, about a Three weeks later, I was a full-blown type 1 diabetic. Now, how rare is that, that, that you get become a type 1 diabetic because of taking a vaccine? Uh, it is rare, but like with all vaccines, there is always a danger to a certain percentage of people. It's just unavoidable. It's just the way it works that no matter what, there will be problems for people, um, a certain percentage of people, but the overall good it does um you know is is outweighs the negative effects to that small percentage of people not to them it's not worth it but to the society as a whole it is like chicken pox and smallpox and all those other diseases that have been eradicated now boomer did say something interesting about the vaccines that i had not thought about where he said Much like we're learning about coronavirus and you're supposed to wear the mask and do all these things, not necessarily for you, but if each person does it for the other person, right? So you're wearing a mask not to protect you, but to protect the other person. That is, that's right. That's correct. And and he brought that up about the vaccines. Like, so I said, oh, I don't get the flu. I don't get the flu shot. And he said, well, if there's someone close to you, that would really be affected badly by getting the flu, then you should get the flu shot. And I hadn't really looked at it that way, but that does make sense. Yeah, it does, right. Because if you have the vaccine, then the virus can't get a foothold, so you can't even then be an asymptomatic carrier. Yeah. So, yeah, there's things, you know, but listen, if you don't want to get a vaccine and, you know, you're working with me, I understand it. It's okay. Like, uh, there's certain risks that we all have to face. So, you know, I'm not going to you know, insist that uh, you get a vaccine. Not that you're an anti-vaxxer, but uh, certainly this, you know, for some people it's going to seem like no way could this be good because it's so quick. Now, I will also say that, you know, with uh, Boomer talking about the CF uh, medicines, how it took so long, that is a vanishingly small percentage of the population. Right. This thing affected the earth. So six point whatever billion people. And so there was a much more concentrated effort. And as these things in medicine and science in general go, it's on an ever increasing curve, the technology curve, they they call it. At some point, it, it becomes so steep as to like, you know, blow your mind. Um, so with the human genome completely mapped for quite a long time now, you know, these things uh, can happen more quickly than they did even five years ago. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, uh, Boomer had brought up uh, the, a vaccine for cystic fibrosis, or not, a, I don't even know if it's a it's vaccine. It's a medicine. It's a medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said it took 27 years or something to, to get it. Now we're going to get this vaccine in 10 months. But like he said, I just Googled it to get the facts correct. Uh, worldwide, 70,000 people worldwide have cystic fibrosis. So like you said, it's a much smaller percentage. Right. So when something affects a much larger population like this, then they speed things along. Yes. And it's, and it's, you know, and it's like everybody on earth. Yeah. And even if they don't get sick, they'll, they will be an asymptomatic uh, transmitter, if you will. And not that I'm a doctor. I have no, I could be totally wrong, but you know, this is uh, similar to other viruses that we've had in, in structure and in the way it works. So there is a lot of history as to how to deal with this. But cystic fibrosis, to try to have a drug to treat those specific 
condition seems to me to be a lot more complicated yeah. than a virus that, you know, is, that's why they call it COVID-19, because there have been other COVID, other corona-type viruses before, so there is a history there. Now, when you uh, got, what, did you get ill while you were in China or when you returned? No, I, it started um, over there. Uh, I started losing weight, and I thought it was just because I was not eating the food a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was rather too authentic for my taste. Yeah, what did you eat over there? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, not great. Lots of fish, and I don't eat fish. Rice? And just uh, Yeah, I did, the rice. And then, you know, there were, uh, you know, vegetables. I would have whatever vegetables there were, were, but almost every meal was some sort of fish, which I was out on. Mm-hmm. And most pork products, even I don't really like. So, you know, the beef and the chicken was uh, few and far between. So, when you're losing weight, you just think, "Well, I'm barely eating anything over Correct. here." Correct. And then also, were you getting ill though? Or like, were you going uh, to the bathroom e- a lot? Yes, and I was starting to like drink a lot, mm-hmm. and um, like that guy's dog, the pit bull. Correct. And there, that's why I didn't want to say it, but there, there is a type of diabetes there's regular diabetes then there's another specific kind of uh di- a, a, like a fourth kind of diabetes diabetes insepitus they call it um which one of my dogs one of my pups from the seeing eye turned out he did not have it he just liked to drink a lot um so you know it could be that but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be but right. uh yeah i was i was getting to the point where i was like constantly carrying water around with me i didn't even realize that i was getting like you know weird about being close to a water source uh because i was so thirsty and then the the cramping started and all the classic symptoms and you know and then the drastic weight loss in you know whatever six weeks i lost like almost 80 pounds it was, oh my gosh yeah it was it, i was dying you know i was so you came you you come back to the united states and immediately go to the doctor or you wait till no, you're losing I, I, weight it was it was about another two weeks before i said you know hey this is really something's effed up here and when at at, at work back in astoria there was a type 2 diabetic uh who i was friendly with and and she had her glucometer and uh, she tested me, and it was like 500 or some crazy number Your like blood that. blood sugar level? Yeah, um, which normal is like, you know, 115. Like after you... Right, they say if, you've, if you hit 100, you should start eyeballing yeah. well, what you're I mean, doing. But like, you know, you could, you could probably like, you know, suck down a pixie stick and test your sugar, and it would not be over 115. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a problem. And then I was on insulin therapy within... You know, and this is the crazy thing. What I should have done in retrospect, I've gone to an ER, yeah. um, but I waited to get a, um, an appointment. I had to get referred to a specialist. and then this, It's like this whole thing. It's like, dude, I'm like I'm dying here. Right. I'm losing weight every day. Uh, yeah, literally, like my body was cannibalizing itself. First, it ate all my fat, and then it, it started going after my muscles because it couldn't process the food I was intaking because it can't break it down. That's what the whole disease is. And then the sugar stays in your blood and that causes all the problems and the body's looking for food. So it goes after the fat stores, then the then the muscle stores are next and blah, blah, blah. So did you ever consider when you were in China going to a doctor there? No, I didn't really understand what was happening. Like, you know, I, I, I did not have any thought that it was full-blown type 1 diabetes that I was suffering. I had no idea until, you know, I got back and got on a scale and saw what was going on, and then I just was feeling terrible, you know. When you're, yeah, if you suffer from really high blood sugar, you will know because you feel awful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what, were doctors uh, stunned that this happened by a vaccine? No, not at all. No, no they, they asked, well, seen well, it. Yeah, yeah. But what was what happened? So what whatever was in that cocktail, that gamma globulin shot, which is I think for a number of different things, I could probably Google it and find out. Yeah. But I know one of the things it was protecting for was hepatitis C, which is very serious. And is that because like a place like China has hepatitis C or is or were they trying to 
Like, did you need that to get to China or to get back into the U.S.? My my doctors recommended it before. I, I did not need it like to go to travel. Oh, okay, it was they recommended. They just said, to you. "Hey, you know, you really should take this," and it's some some cocktail inoculant, and something in that triggered the immune response in my body that had my immune system kill my insulin producing cells. Damn. Yeah. Good times. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And yet I will still be as soon as they tell me I can get the vaccine, <laughs> I'm getting it. Yeah. You're gonna get yourself your COVID yeah. vaccine. And I get you know, I get the flu shot every year, the whole thing. So Yeah. And listen, I do that because that's what most doctors, scientists say I should do. I am not a doctor or a scientist, so mm-hmm. I have to trust opinions. I'm not one who is overly suspicious or with the conspiracy theories or thinking that they're injecting, you know, tracking devices right. at me and, yes. and all that. So, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. Give me the shot. Like the people that still don't get easy pass, but they carry their cell phones right. with them everywhere. And uh, you know that overnight show I listened to? the uh, Art uh, Bell? Uh, no. Well, it used to be Art Bell. It's George Norrie. Coast George Norrie, yeah. AM. <laughs> they, had, they had like a real scientist on the other day, which they do occasionally, maybe like once a month. Uh, talking about astronomy and uh, astrophysics and all this stuff, and then they had they had open phones and they had a a woman called up. I forget Minnesota, I think she was in, and uh, she was convinced that our satellites and the space station were causing COVID <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, or well, not ac- on purpose, just as accidentally. That's, yeah, that's so we should not have the space station and we should not shoot things into space because. That and she was just dead serious and just a hundred percent certain that this was the case. And the scientist was like, Well, uh, and I could tell he didn't want to be mean, right? Uh, but he was like, Yeah, that that's that's just not that's not true, you know. And there's the the 5G theory of behind yes. COVID. I mean, come on, a lot of people are, are very nervous about 5G that it's going to give us diseases, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, long term, who knows what all this. RF flying around our heads with the cell phones and everything else and Wi-Fi, you know, but it's been, you know, it's been quite a long time, but there is a theory that long term it will unzip our DNA. And that's... Go ahead. I'm sorry. And that's like a legitimate or semi-legitimate theory that, you know, they just don't know, but it's possible that... Uh, all this exposure could like change our DNA, but short term we get really fast internet. That's correct, and which we is can cool. Watch movies and, and play online games. How could it destroy our DNA? Meaning what? Like it'll change it'll one of the chromosomes? Ch- yeah, somehow. Really? Yeah, yeah. You can Google about that. You know, Wi-Fi DNA. Yeah, and uh, you can read about it. But you know, don't make yourself too paranoid, because again, you know, you want to be able to uh, tweet things. I would love to see a behind the scenes of the call screener for the George Norrie show. Like yes. the calls that they must get mm-hmm. of yeah. crazy conspiracies about everything. Yes. How yeah. they talk the people, how they, fo- uh, I just know having to try to get sports talk callers to focus on one point without meandering and then they get on the air and they meander. I can't imagine trying to do that with somebody who thinks like Bigfoot is on their back porch or right and UFOs. when the, the nature of the show is yeah. aliens and bigfoot <laughs> and conspiracy theories how do you coach those people up yeah i do love i do think it's it's a different feel for shows when it's the middle of the night oh 100% and everywhere you're broadcasting is dark and the majority of the people you're reaching are by themselves mhm that's you know, right it's a cool or driving I, trucks across the country or yeah yeah, that's that is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I always did like that about like late night, yeah, talk radio. Even Larry King had that show a hundred years ago. Yeah, uh, on in the middle of the night radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a different audience as yeah. we know. Yes. Oh, there's Whimsy. Mm-mm-mm. Whimsy's like, let's go out and get some bones. <laughs> I bite your ass. <laughs> All right, Eddie, let's do the warm-up program. Sure. I did that with CeeLo. That you is did. next. We'll see you tomorrow on a Thursday. Jerry mm-hmm. Recco is back from his uh, two days. He'll so be back we'll in have, this chair. We'll have the whole crew. <laughs> yeah. You hear her screaming back yeah. there? Yeah. Let's go, bitch. <laughs> I'm about to dominate you. 
All right, we'll see you tomorrow. See ya. See ya. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And Jerry, no guests, no calls. That's right. And no real content. Yeah, well, we've got quality content. Al Dukes here. When you hear me introducing the program, that means that Jerry Recco is out today. He will be back tomorrow on a Thursday. But on this Wednesday, we have CeeLo, Chris Lopresti. Good morning, Christopher. Oh, good morning, Al. How are you doing today? Very good. When did you get the nickname CeeLo? Is this a high school thing or it younger? It was, yes, high school. High school. High school baseball, yes, sir. High school baseball, But I will say right. when I began working here as an intern in 2007, I didn't, was not one of these people who walked in and said, you can call me CeeLo. Eddie My figured, name Eddie figured that out all by himself. Really? Yes, yeah, so Eddie was the first one to call me that here. And then you said, by the way, this is my nickname from high school. I might have mentioned that at some point, yeah. and it kind of just picked up from there. Right. And the rest is history, as they say. As Jim Rome says, you cannot give yourself your own nickname. You, I agree. It's got to be earned. It's got to be given to you. Some people don't have a nickname. I don't think I have a nickname. Or, you know, people, I'm sure, say nasty things behind my back, CeeLo. Al Hughes. But, uh, well, I guess Al Hughes. But the, the Zeddy Eddies is Scoes, I guess, mm-hmm. some people call him, depending Scoes, on the, yep. depending on when you started working here. Like, I don't call him that. I don't see him as that. I don't think of that when I see him. But I've heard others call him Scoes. Which is interesting because Eddie Scoes. you and I basically not on the exact same show and in the same role, but began working at the station around the yeah. same time. And I, 2007. I, that's right. And I will call Eddie Scoes from time to time. Yeah. So that's interesting. Hmm. And CeeLo, didn't I give you a code name also when I gave you shifts before your internship ended? You very well may have. And I'm sure I was not the only one that received that treatment along the way. When you would, uh, when Eddie would make the schedule, he would... Um, post code names so that other people wouldn't get jealous that people were getting shifts is this what i'm um, understanding i think it was more just that perhaps i hadn't been approved for that particular shift I at see. that point in time uh, no it was more to protect the feelings of the other interns. oh it was oh, okay yes yeah, and I, uh, now mistake, that i'm thinking about it you know your your school nickname is the bobcat that's correct and i think you were goldthwaite Oh, you're. You know what? I completely forgot about that. You're absolutely right. You should just put Good him on the schedule as Bob Cat, <laughs> Robert Cat. <laughs> Robert Cat will be working this update People shift. People might have been able to figure that. Oh, out. Oh, they yeah. could have figured that one out. As I was uh, walking my dog this morning uh, around three thirty, and I was starting to think about uh, you know the situation the New York Giants are in and how they're. What I'm reading, the only team in the NFC East that controls their own destiny, as they say, to go for the uh, for the division title. Whatever, what you, they you do, had to read that to figure that out? I did have to read that because I don't know what's going on. They're in first re- place. They have the tiebreaker over Washington. It's pretty self-explanatory. Well, I don't know. There still seems to be a, a bunch of games left. I don't know what's going on with Dallas. I don't know what's going on with Washington. I still don't think the Eagles are still in the but mix. The, but, Al, it's simple math. They all have the same amount of games left. Okay. The Giants are in first place mm-hmm. via the tiebreaker over Washington. All right. So from that standpoint, since they're on an even playing field as far as the amount of games left, All right. if they do their job, then no one could catch them. But of course, if once they lose a game, that story could be different in about six or seven days. You know, right. we'll be then, talking about, oh, they need so-and-so to lose. They need this. Right. They need that. That's the way it goes. So right now, they they control their own destiny, as we say. As they say, yes. And here we are. A game against the Seattle Seahawks coming up mm-hmm. with Colt McCoy quarterbacking. Most likely. Now, Still not I, confirmed. That's I know confirmed. that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've confirmed it with my sources, <laughs> and my sources are me. We know how this is going to go. Uh-huh. I don't know whether I'm blaming Daniel Jones for not quote unquote manning up here on a game that <laughs> it reminded me of. Remember, there was a, the Mets season, uh, I think it was 2007, when we first started Boomer and Carton Show where the Mets needed a game at the end of the season. And Johan Santana had just pitched like a day or two days earlier or something. And Johan Santana said, give me the ball. That's what you like out of your ace. Yes. 
And I feel like with Daniel Jones, th- their season is on the line here, controlling their own destiny. Mm-hmm. I want that guy to say, give me the ball. It's a hamstring. Guess what? I'm not going to run constantly. I'm actually going to sit in the pocket and throw the football. Because you. This, this is a non-competitive game with Colt McCoy at quarterback. Most likely, yeah. Then I started to think how colleges have failed us in quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> if you look around at how many teams lost their starting quarterback this year in particular, and the amount of teams that have a decent backup is very few. Yes, it's a very tricky position to find talented guys that can play at that high level. Also, they was, don't get any reps in practice. That's a big practice. part of it as well. There are so many colleges. I mean, Eddie Scazzeri's got cable packages where he's buying like you know these conferences you've never heard of <laughs> the sunbelt the sunbelt conference Eddie's Mac. watching <laughs> the some Mac Nation Mac-tion. or Mac-tion. 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 Sunbelt Funbelt is another one there's so many teams and so many quarterbacks 130 that, teams 130 in teams one in in the FBS and how many 124 in FCS <sighs> and how many NFL teams are there 32. Uh, 32. 32. We only need 64 quarterbacks Mm -hmm. because I need each team to have two quarterbacks. Right. Two good quarterbacks. Because when Colt McCoy came in the other day, even Boomer said, oh, he did a good job. No, he didn't. Because we have so little expectation. (laughs) The bar is set low. Of the backup. Good job meaning you can hand it off and you can (laughs) throw a little dumb pass. Complete six passes for 31 yards. Right. Uh, Al, but it's... uh, I don't. I'm not. I don't have the math in front of me. Yeah. But there's, as Eddie just outlined for you, that many teams. Okay. Right. Now multiply that many teams by the amount of players on each roster, and then compare it to the rosters in the, of an NFL team. Now, obviously, the quarterback position gets so much more attention. It's under the microscope because it's the most important position. But yes. is the ratio of college to NFL players really that different overall as compared to the quarterback position? I would be willing to guess probably not. You follow me on that? I do follow you. So you're saying, like, how many great running backs do we have compared to? Well, so the how many running of- backs played in college in 2019? How many were drafted or ended up on an NFL roster? Is kind yeah. of what I'm getting at. And not all of those guys are starters that are, you know, tearing it up. Some of them so might wh- be a third down back, might just be playing on special teams, might be on the practice squad. You know. So if we think if we think Sam Darnold could be a decent quarterback. When we don't know, maybe you could be like, oh, he's got no one around him. His team stinks. Adam Gase stinks. Mm-hmm. Why would they, if they fire Adam Gase and they get um, Trevor Lawrence, why would, why couldn't you keep Sam Darnold as a backup, a quality backup? As a backup? Yeah. Because there'll be a market for he's going to, his contract is, is going to run out. And then he's going to need what? to be paid. Al, you just made the point yourself, oh. right? That the quarterback, it's it's a very fine line between those that are capable starters and the Colt McCoys of the world, the Geno Smiths of the world that are backups that when they are thrust into action show you why they're backups. So if there is even one or two other teams out there in the NFL, and I, we've made the point on the show and Boomer's talked about it, whether it be the Colts, whether it be the Steelers, someone who has an older guy and a veteran that's on his way out. Why wouldn't you take that shot on a Sam Darnold and bring him into your program, as they say, your organization, coach him up and see if you can kind of resurrect his career. And then all of a sudden you've got value in a guy that you probably signed somewhat on the cheap as compared to other starting quarterbacks. And maybe he's able to step in and play for you at some point. And it's not like, you know, I know guys like a Ryan. We will now use Ryan Tannehill as the measuring stick because he was on uh, the Dolphins. Got away from Gase and resurrected his career. Right, but a guy like Colt McCoy's been on nineteen teams already. Yes. Like, we know that's not happening. Correct. Why so are I the just, Jets not hanging on to Sam? I think for a couple reasons. One, the the money factor. Right, they're going to have to make some sort of financial commitment to him to move forward after okay. next year, I believe. Right, this is year three for him, so yes. he's got one year left, and then if they wanted to pick up his fifth year option, which would be very expensive because of where he was selected in the first round. And the other part of it is sometimes you just it, it's just not a it's not a fit anymore. You've got to move on. There's too much damage that's been done. And unfortunately for the Jets, we've seen this happen with multiple quarterbacks that they've drafted either in the first round or the second round. It's I mean we you know the history. You saw what happened with Mark Sanchez. You saw what happened with Geno Smith, and it's happening again with Sam Darnold. Not the exact same situation and the same circumstances, but very similar. 
a guy that had plenty of upside and talent, and they've essentially ruined him. And Mark Sanchez is a very curious case as well. Well, yeah, because he almost reached the highest of highs, right? He was the guy that got closest. Yes, Twice. he had a good team around him, a strong running game, a good defense. So he wasn't necessarily carrying the team. And once they asked him to do that, that's where it all fell apart. And then when he went to other teams, nothing. Right. Because at that point, I just feel like there's been enough damage done to him that it's hard to get it back, right? Yes. It's hard to refine what worked in those first couple of years because it was sort of the the perfect situation for him with what he was surrounded by. I was listening to a Carton and Roberts when they were celebrating the anniversary of the butt fumble. It was really Craig. <laughs> Evan did not want to celebrate. <laughs> but they're like, oh, that's what you think of when you think of Mark Sanchez. I actually think of, and I can't recall which game it was. It was a playoff game late in the game, and he threw a perfect pass, a perfect touchdown pass to a very well-covered receiver. My uh, clearly, I don't have all the details. I, I I couldn't give you the details either. But what I do remember about I remember just being beautiful balls. Yeah, what, what, about watching him in the he, it reminded me of Eli Manning, right? Where in the regular season there was plenty of mistakes, turnovers. You know, they gave him the the color code at that one point. I think that was his rookie year, right? The red, yellow, green because they were trying yeah. to cut down on color coding his, his bad decisions that he was making. He got into the playoffs. He played his ass off, man. Made some really good throws, good decisions, kept the team in the game. Uh, and obviously they they got as close as they did to reaching the Super Bowl. All right. I'm blaming college, though, because they're not getting <laughs> our guys ready. It's like when they when, when people blame the workforce and they go, kids are coming out of college, not ready to go into the workforce. And yeah. we can kind of point fingers at colleges. I'm pointing the finger at colleges because they're – and I know, I guess colleges are trying to win games for themselves. They're not trying to get kids ready for the NFL. That's a bad many, job by them. Many are not. That's correct. And right, it also like, comes down to the systems that they're playing. Right. You know. Well, let's get everyone in the NFL system so yeah. that everyone's ready to go but, so we get a higher quality product in the NFL. But that comes back to the issue of the overall talent on these rosters as compared to what happens in the NFL. A lot of these teams can't do that because these guys, are, they don't have the ability or the capabilities, whether it be physical or mental, to do that. So that's why they end up playing the style that they do in college. We've seen them incorporate some of the concepts in the NFL and certain coaches that have tried to come in, like Cliff Kingsbury comes to mind, obviously, with what he did at the college level and now what he's trying to do with the Cardinals. Um, it, it's hard, though, man. It doesn't. You see the concepts, the certain plays, the styles here and there, but from an every-down, game-to-game standpoint, no one's been able to replicate it and make it work on a consistent basis. Here's what I want to see against the Seattle Seahawks. Remember, the, I believe it was in college when Byron Leftwich, who did he play with? Marshall? Marshall, yes. And he was injured, and his linemen had to, had to carry him to the line of scrimmage yeah, down to the take field. snaps. That's, That's right. what I want on Sunday. <laughs> from Daniel Jones. <laughs> That's what I want from Daniel Jones. And his offensive would, line. Right. And then if you lose... You still have I mean, Giants fans are blue collar guys, right? They would love to see Daniel Jones being carried every snap. Oh, he's almost like when Kirk Gibson hit that home run and had yeah. a limp around the bases. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, because right we, now we're going like this loss. We've <laughs> we've already put in a loss for okay, this week. Al, I would be with you if it was week seventeen and it was win and get in. But there are games to be played after this week, and quite honestly, mm-hmm. if he was a hundred percent healthy. You're yeah. probably saying loss this week anyway, right? I know it's not. Well, like, that's bad. It's that's not the a same very bad as, attitude. It's not that it's a bad attitude. It's just being realistic. And now in 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 a non-pandemic year, you'd really be saying it, having to go into Seattle into that environment with the twelves and the right. home field advantage they have up there. It's not the case this season. But I, I still don't think that all things equal. If Daniel Jones hadn't got hurt against Cincinnati and the Giants were going into, would you have more confidence? Of course. And would the, would the spread on the game be less? Probably. But, I mean, if I really shot you up with truth serum, truth serum would you be saying, oh, yeah, Giants, Giants can go in and win that game? Probably in, not. In Seattle with a crowd? Probably not. No, just even without the just with the, the difference between the two teams. I know Seattle, they're not world beaters. You know, the defense played better on Monday night against the Eagles. But, like, are the Giants really going to keep up and score as many points as Russell Wilson in the Seattle offense? Maybe. No. But I'm not – I don't – it's it's not like we're talking about taking Aaron Rodgers out of the off the giant roster here. You know, Daniel Jones has played better the last couple of weeks. He's taken better care of the football, but 
this is still not the explosive downfield offense that we saw from them last year with Pat Shermer. I'm not trying to knock them. They're Overall, they're a better team, there's no doubt. They're well-coached, they're disciplined, the defense has been tremendous, the special teams overall has been good, save for some of their coverages last week against Cincinnati. So overall, they're a better team, but I just find it hard to believe they're going to keep up with Seattle in this game, but that's why they play the game, so we'll find out. That's why they play the games. I just looked at the spread. What's the spread? Uh, minus 10. Right. And that's why I bet it's I mean, Sunday at eight a, and a half. Even at 10, that's a sure thing. I don't know that it's a sure thing. That's the one. You can say this about the Giants. They've, they've been in these games except for the San Francisco game. So they've they've had a chance in the second half. They've Most of them have been one-score games. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see how they're going to handle this challenge on Sunday. Well, Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, and I'm more interested in seeing how the defense – is going to handle Russell Wilson and company, DK Metcalf. You know, they've got James Bradbury, who's been one of the best corners in the league this year. But the thing with Seattle is, like, Metcalf went off Monday against the Eagles. But if you if you figure out how to slow him down and roll more coverage his way, you know, Tyler Lockett's a damn good receiver as well. So they, they've got a lot of ways that they can beat you offensively. And that first segment is called Sports Talk. That's right. Right? We nailed it. Great content. Great content. That opening there where it goes, no real content. That was content right there. <laughs> That's right. I've got a lot of fun stories for when we come back uh, after this very short break that Eddie Scazzeri has all queued up. Fire away, Eddie. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Al and Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long. Yeah, now it's only uh, 35 minutes long. This is Squeeze, CeeLo. Do you like Squeeze? I'm not all that familiar with Squeeze. It sounds oh, they're good, terrific. What, what uh, time frame are we talking about here? This was probably early 80s. They okay. probably started late 70s, but uh, their hits were in the 80s. What was the top hit? I feel like I know one of them at least. Pulling uh, muscles from a shell. Pulling that's muscles from a shell, tempted by the fruit of another. One. Yeah, that's the one I know. Yeah. Black I like coffee that. in bed. Nah, just the, the tempted. That's the one I know. Tempted, you like that one? The one that everyone was knows. sung by a guy that was only in the band for that one album. Another nail is that through right? my heart. Yeah, another yeah, nail through my heart. No, you know tempted. You might know black. Do you know black coffee in bed? I don't know it by the title. If I if you played it, I would probably say, oh yeah, oh. I know that one. I know that one. Black coffee in bed. Early MTV hits. That's uh, one band that Eddie and I are, are lock in lockstep on. Probably a short list, right? Sh- uh, probably a shorter list, but uh, we actually went back when we were allowed to go to concerts yeah. last year or two years. Uh, not this past last, summer. It was two summers uh, ago. August of 19. August of 2019. Me, Gina, Eddie, and his wife all went to go see squeeze at the stone pony summer stage that's a good spot oh the summer stage okay the last concert anyone was allowed to go to now is the summer stage like right where is it right at the stone pony it's it's in like a big parking lot off-site location no not off-site right there problem is though it's uh you know it's it fits a lot of people and we were all jammed in it, there. It was crowded, but it was crowded with people our age. Right. Yes, it was cr- right. crowded with older So it folk. wasn't as rowdy. My, yep. how times have changed. Not a mosh pit situation. <laughs> we were not moshing at all. Al, have you ever done, uh, have you been to a show at the, what, the Starland Ballroom? Is that what it's Starland called? Ballroom, Starland? I have, yes, yeah. many times. Very nice, very nice. Great spot for yeah, a concert. Solid. Very solid. Uh, we were speaking of uh, terrible quarterbacks the last uh, segment, right. first segment of the show. Oh. I have, uh, I would like to continue that. I have a couple of uh, stories revolving around the Denver Broncos quarterback situation. First off, all of their quarterbacks have tested negative now for the coronavirus, so they should uh, all be ready to roll this week. Yes, minus, I believe, Jeff Driscoll, who was the one who actually had COVID, who I think is still recovering. But the He's other guys, still out? Yeah. All I, right, I the other guys. Be, yes. Drew, I mean... Drew Locke is the key guy. That's their starter, and he's going to be back. So Drew Locke's mother Mm. took to Twitter going on a rant for those criticizing her son. Including the head coach. (laughs) Saying that he was 
super dedicated. He was putting in extra work at the facility, had requested uh, more time to work with the quarterbacks. And for that, we all are mocking him because he slipped up and didn't wear a mask for one small moment in time. Right. She wants him praise for his leadership and the fact yes. that he was bringing his, his position group together for some extra work. Yeah. Do you think his mother ran this by him before she hit up Twitter? Not or a do you chance. Th- <laughs> you think she just <laughs> took the Twitter, and then do you think she gave him the heads up? Like, by the way, just backed you up on Twitter. Or someone reached out to him and said, do you know your mom just went on a Twitter rant about you? <laughs> Let me, before I answer, do we, yeah. ha- is that, have those posts since been deleted? I have not uh, do? double checked. I have not checked that. Because if that's the case, then I would imagine that. <laughs> yeah, when she gave him the heads up, he was like, "What are you doing?" Like, uh, Matthew Stafford's wife, who went on a rant against yeah. the Michigan government. <laughs> right, yes, right, exactly. I do love when people go on uh, Twitter rants when they're not the player themselves, when they're related to the player. Because you got to think the player either. Sometimes people, the player may want it as a way for them to get it out there without them having to do it. Right, someone else serving as their mouthpiece. But I think I think that's I think it's better if your wife goes on a Twitter rant than your mother. Yeah, because you know your mother looks like you're still a little boy. Like yeah. Drew Locke still seems like a little boy. His mother went on a rant. I mean, how he's not a little boy, but I mean, he is a young quarterback. He's he's, a, he's just a young man. Twenty four, just turned twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. Yeah, it's not a great look. I would hope for his sake that it did not come from him or that he did not give it the okay before it came out. Drew Locke's mother is probably my age. That's the sad part of this story. Why is that so sad? Well, because it makes me Would you rather have a 20? Well, I mean, it is what it is, Al. The numbers are what they are, you know? (laughs) And you let them off the hook. Yeah, exactly. You are who they thought they were. (laughs) It's so funny. I referenced that last (laughs) night uh, in a text message with somebody. How old? I'm gonna, do, you, do you think Google knows the answer to this question? How, How old is Drew, is Drew Locke's mother? mother? Probably not. Drew Locke's mother. But I mean, just do some basic Hello, math, right? I mean, the, the youngest that mm-hmm. she could be, the young, the absolute youngest, yeah. I would say, would be like around 40. Right. And that would be, you know, That'd be a very young a mother. Bit. Yeah. So you're right. I'm 51, so she's 100% she pro- my age. Yeah, I would say, maybe, I was going to guess more, maybe... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, boy, she Probably went right crazy. It was awesome. Right around there. Yeah. Uh, I looked, checked one article just to see if they gave her age, but they didn't. I love when an article gives an age for no reason. They'd be like, Drew Locke's mother, fifty-one, <laughs> went on a crazy rant. <laughs> then Jerry Jones, he's claiming that the Broncos, having no actual quarterbacks in their game last week, were in no worse shape than him and his Cowboys were with Ben DiNucci. Yeah. That's, That's probably not be. what you want to hear if you're Ben DiNucci. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think Jerry Jones did that on, I don't know if he did that on his radio show or in a press sure. conference. I don't like your attitude. Yeah, I don't like your I attitude. I think yesterday was Jerry Day on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. So <laughs> that I'll is funny. To, I'll have to sift through that. Settle down just a little bit. <laughs> Settle down. He's like, listen, I've been Ben. thinking about it a lot in the shower. Thinking about it a lot in the shower. Then he hit up the guys on the the sports talk station in Dallas, and then he Put said, "Put your to them, damn act together." Listen, okay. Ben, ben Denucci's no better or no worse than a random wide receiver on your practice squad going out there and taking. Do snaps. you understand, Bush? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> hmm. Good morning. Uh, I got to check that out and see if he commented <laughs> on the uh, fake punt call. Fourth and ten from their own twenty-four on Thanksgiving. I have to check in on that. Yeah, check in on that one. Yeah, and then another fun quarterback-related story. But instead of this being about uh, quarterbacks that stink, this is the the ultimate quarterback. Uh, Tyreek Hill was asked on Inside the NFL what his first impression of Patrick Mahomes was when Patrick Mahomes hit the practice field for the first time after being drafted, and his quote was, "I thought he was trash." <laughs> I ain't gonna cap. Not sure what that means. I but. Di- I didn't either, and I did watch the clip, and we will play it later today. Phil Sims is the one that asked the question, and then Brandon Marshall, laughing at Phil's age, tells Tyreek Hill, "You got to explain to this old man what that means." Which Tyreek basically said he didn't have enough time to do so. What I ain't gonna cap? What that means? Yeah. So he says, "I thought he was trash. I ain't gonna cap." Right. I think it means like I ain't gonna. I'm not, not gonna, gonna lie. lie to you, to you folks. I would agree. 
Yeah. He looked like trash. Like he was like, why did we draft this guy? But if it's that simple to explain, I wonder why Tyreek said, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't get into that right now. The That's best a good part, question. Have you seen the clip, Al? I've not seen the clip. I've my, read all the quotes. My favorite part I'm about the clip reader. is, I mean, obviously everyone's doing Zoom calls in this, in this yeah. you know, day and age. And because the NFL team facilities were closed the last couple of days, team protocol, Tyreek is at home. And as he's doing, taping this interview with Inside the NFL, there's someone cleaning his house right behind him <laughs> over his back. One was walking around with like a paper towel, spraying stuff, yeah. and white wiping down the house. I thought that was funny. I always wondered if you had a cleaning service come into your home, are you supposed to leave when they clean or do you stay there? If you stay there, it's awkward. If you're not like, why don't you help clean? Right. Well, you're paying the person to do so. But I agree. Yeah. I, I've actually, I've thought the same and the other thing that fascinates me, and I used to, I used to, I didn't understand. I'd get on my mother about this because um, when she was working after I finished high school and went to college, she would have someone come in and clean our house. And the amount of work she did to tidy up for the cleaning crew to come right. in, I never quite understood that. It's like, well, what do you, if you're just going to spend time cleaning your house to have someone else come in and do additional cleaning, well, what's the point? It, yeah. didn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Why am I tidying up for somebody that is being paid to come in and tidy up? Yes. Never made any sense. I don't get it. Yeah, someone comes in, they vacuum, they scrub your uh, bathrooms down, your toilets down. I mean, listen, do some I understand dusting. if you've got like, you know, underwear hanging around. I mean, I get that. But to really, to really, to the point where like our house looked as if it had already been cleaned before right. the cleaning crew arrived, that didn't yeah. make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I never knew, like, do they, does the cleaning crew want you to leave so that they can get stuff done? Yeah. Or do they want you to be there so that you don't accuse them of, like, stealing your belt or something after you leave? Um, That's a good question. I would think they'd probably want you to leave just so that they don't have to feel like they're walking around on eggshells or if they don't put the chair back exactly the right way, you right. know, or if, God forbid, something, you know, should be elbowed off a ledge and fall down and make a loud noise or potentially break. Like you if know. someone was cleaning your place out, they definitely do not want you there judging them. Yeah, because I'd be like, what? <laughs> this person doesn't even know how to dust properly. <laughs> what are they doing? I used to find when they'd come through, every single time I'd go, something would have been moved. Yes. It was like they would do it on purpose as if to let you know I cleaned in this spot. Yeah, we were here because yeah. we moved this around. Exactly. When we come back on the other side of this short break, which Eddie has queued up, Sila, we do something on this warm-up show program called Buzz No Buzz. Oh, yeah. Where I provide you with uh, one topic, and then you're going to tell me whether there's buzz surrounding this topic or there is no buzz surrounding this topic. I always look topic. forward to that. All right. Then we'll do that right on the other side. Be back in two and two, as Chuck Woolery used to say. Alan Jerry, now offering contact-free delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry's out today. CeeLo joins me on the warm-up program. Actually, I heard that commercial that Karen Stewart was doing for a thermometer. Check your uh, check your temperature. I went to a restaurant over the weekend where they, they checked our temperature before they let us in. I like that. That's a solid way to go. Yeah, they that was cool. They do that at my son's preschool every morning. And yeah. the, the haircut place I go to does that as well. Can't get in mm. without the temperature check. I knew they were doing it in some offices, and I knew they were doing it in uh, schools. I did not know. It was the first time, and I've been to many restaurants during coronavirus, and uh, this is the first one. And they, uh, they did it on your wrist. Interesting. They said that aiming a thing at your forehead was a bit intimidating, and they, and they, they thought it <laughs> not great. And I was like, yes, that's correct. And then I felt much better when I was in the restaurant. I was like, I know everyone in this place has mm. the proper temperature. False sense of security. I suppose. <laughs> uh, intimidating I did... at a restaurant, but we can do it to two, three, and four-year-olds at preschool. <laughs> well, they, no problem. They think it's hilarious, uh, yeah. little children. <laughs> I went through, uh, during the break, I watched the Mark Sanchez highlight reels. Uh-huh. You find and the throw? The, uh, I did find the throw was against New England in the playoffs where he hit Santonio Holmes in the yes. corner of the end zone. It was such a beautiful pass. The Bart Scott. Can't wait. Can't wait. You've got Pittsburgh next week. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, CeeLo, I've got, uh, we do a thing here. I don't know if you listen to the warm-up show. Jerry and I do something <laughs> called Buzz No Buzz. Yes, Al, you and I have done this before. Where I provide you with a topic that seemingly people, like uh, where I feel like, they're trying to build buzz, and then I'll let you. Then you'll tell me whether you're feeling the buzz or you think there's no buzz. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. 
I saw many things, uh, many uh, tweets, many stories uh, yesterday that uh, HBO, HBO documentaries. I don't know if you saw the Craig Carton one. I was a very big star in that. You, me, you were great. Uh, Jerry, uh, Eddie. That had a lot of buzz. That had a lot of buzz. Eddie had the line of the of the the whole documentary where he went that, that that Craig blew up you know his uh, his life. Yeah, the sound effect, yeah. Yeah, and the way he did it so casually and he did it with his hands. He showed he did like a hand motion. The exploding, yeah, <laughs> which is perfect. The king of the drops, he gave you yes. the sound effect. You know, I don't even remember <laughs> doing that. It's so good. It really was it was it, it just well, HBO has a new documentary coming out about the life of C.C. Sabathia called Under the Grapefruit Tree. And I'm feeling like, I don't know that I'm interested in yeah, this. I'm I going no that. buzz for me, I but would, you're a Yankee fan. That's, see, that's that's the key. That's the key. I would say in general, not a lot of buzz. For no me, buzz. I'll, for me, buzz. I'll, I'll be into it because there will be behind-the-scenes stuff you know, in and around the Yankees that I'm interested in. Yeah, because you know what the problem is? when you for To have a buzz-worthy documentary, there's got to be like Craig's was this this fall from grace. Yes. Right? So I don't, I don't know what C.C. Sabathia's story is unless we don't know it yet, and it's going to be dropped yeah, in this documentary. Yeah, it's not going to be as drastic as Craig's, obviously, but yeah. I'm sure they're going to focus on his bout with alcoholism and you know the rehab he oh, went see, through with I that. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I, I know that that will be a part of it, um, and they'll probably yeah, was, focus he, on that quite a bit. He was drinking wine, right? I think he was drinking a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I think especially I remember, on the road. Yeah, I think they were on the road. He was drinking bottles of wine. Yeah, in his room after, before and after games. So right, that was it's... an abrupt. No one. I mean, that was one of those things that dropped right at the end of that regular season as the Yankees were getting ready to go into a wild card game. I forget which year it was now, and um, I remember being shocked by that. And it was like the timing wasn't great. Not that you ever. I mean, of course, his his personal life and his health is more important. But from a team standpoint, kind of it put them in a bit of a tough spot. You know what? Buzz. You've turned me around. I don't think Jerry's ever turned me around. Look at that. From no buzz to buzz. Now I'm interested. Okay. I forgot completely forgot about that. I just inf- I'm an influencer, Al. I yeah. just influenced you. Yes. You're right. And the timing of it was was bad timing yeah. for the Yankees. Yep. Hmm. It did remind me though, a lot of people are talking about this HBO series The Undoing. Yeah, I, I gotta get on that. I don't currently have HBO or HBO Max. It's funny when I wanted to watch the Craig documentary, I signed up for the trial. I yeah. watched it and then I canceled it right away. <laughs> so I, I got to reactivate that trial cancellation. Yeah. I love a good murder mystery, so I got to check it out. Yeah, but so I started it last night. I watched the first episode, and all I'm really watching is murder documentaries. So I have a hard time now watching a series where people are acting. Fic- yeah, you're not. You're, you can't be bothered with fiction anymore. You need the no, nonfiction. Uh, yeah, and I also like I can I can take some acting when it's in a murder documentary. They're like recreating a scene, but to to sit down, my mind doesn't allow me to enjoy just a regular series. Like when I was watching this episode one last night of The Undoing, it was very popular. When things it had a lot of buzz. So I was like, I got to get in on this buzz. Mm-hmm. Geo was watching it. I, I like a lot of the same things. I feel things. like the Geo entire watches. world's watching it right now. Everywhere I turn is what people are talking about. My parents are watching it. My yeah. in-laws are watching it. I haven't watched it. My mother called me up and she said, based on Geo's recommendation, her and my dad were watching it. Perfect. But while I'm watching it last night, there's a there's scenes where I won't be giving anything away if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, where a, a woman has a... Uh, has a baby in this scene and she's sitting at the table. And all I kept thinking was somebody gave their baby <laughs> to be used in a movie. Al, or a, My uh, wife and I have this conversation <laughs> all the time. I'm like, whose baby is that? Yeah. Who would okay their right. newborn baby to be in a TV series? And we're constantly asking ourselves, <laughs> is it like, is this somehow a doll? Is it like CGI? Is it a doll that right. just looks realistic? And no. it's like, there's no way that's a real human infant. Yes. And who, yeah, who is in such a position that they're A, comfortable doing it, and B, I guess, I, I, I don't know, need the money, but I, I Right, you have uh, a baby and you go, we got to get this baby into films. Right, yeah. She's adorable. Let's get her started early. How do we yeah. maximize his or her potential? And then I'm wondering, like, is this the director's baby? Is this a writer's baby? It's a great question. I have always wondered that. I, I bet yeah. a quick Google search would probably answer it for us. I've never actually taken the time to check it out. 
But, should uh, I be having a baby to get it into films? You know what? That might be a nice uh, supplemental income stream for you. <laughs> <laughs> we want to come over and see the baby. Oh, she's on set today. Yeah. She's working. We talk about that all the time. And then the other thing as parents of young kids that, that bothers us when we're watching a movie or a series is yeah. when people who are acting and are supposed to have kids, they're like never present. You know, they have all the time in the world to do all that. And I'm always just like, where are their kids? Who's watching their kids? And right. I'm not talking about grade school. I'm talking about, you know, infant to, f- let's say, three. Yes. And these these couples are just, you know, it's just the two of them. And I'm like, well, what? this is unrealistic. Where's the crying kid? Where's the kid that's asking you nine million questions mm-hmm. every single day? So I have a problem with that. I find that you unrealistic. You had a problem with that, Rihanna. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to try uh, this episode one of The Undoing it kind of intrigued me at the end. I'll probably give it another chance. Now, by the way, a few years ago, maybe before you were really heavy into the murder documentaries, did yeah. you watch The Night Of on HBO? No, I did not see okay. that. Because that was another murder Was that M. Night that Shyamalan? Was, it was, yes. M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't think it was, now that, now that you say it. Hmm. it I, it's funny. My first instinct was to say yes. Yes. No, I don't think it was. Let's see. Right. Uh, no. Stephen King. Directed by Steve Zalian. No, I don't know him. But John Turturro was in it. He was excellent. Um, that was might, might be worth the watch if you're looking. Right. For, it's not. It's kind of a. It's another. You know, limited mini series. Yeah, I do like a limited series. Eight parts. Nothing worse when someone's like, you got to watch. Um, you know, The Walking Dead, and it's like nine seasons long, and they go, forget it. I'm yeah. never going to catch up. I've had a lot of people try and get me. I just, I've just never. That and Game of Thrones, I feel like yeah, I missed the I can't boat watch. because yeah. I did Breaking Bad on a binge. Well, after you know, I think it might have been the last season, and it just never lived up to the hype for me. Right. I had heard so much about it, and yep. I watched it all, and it was good, but I wasn't blown away. It, you weren't blown away. No, by and I'm it. sure I, if, if those that are up listening, I'm going to get tweets now. Ow. It's like Evan giving you know Goodfellas whatever grade he gave it, yeah, or The Godfather. <laughs> so I'm going to get hammered for this now. But I, I respect the acting and the and yeah. the storyline, but. I don't know. It just the, the, over the course of the series, there weren't enough like wow moments for me. For example, like I loved, I watched all of Dexter. I enjoyed Dexter more than I enjoyed Breaking Bad. Yeah, I love. And that's Dexter. probably sacrilegious to say that. Yes. And people will kill me for it, but that's how mm-hmm. I felt. It is right. what it is. And Dexter coming back, by the way. Yeah, I saw Can't that. Wait. Looking forward coming to back that. for a season. Yeah. Uh, did you see this? Uh, I saw it on the internet because I guess it was a sh- well, it was a short fight, uh, <laughs> an MMA fight in Russia. Involved a 135-pound woman versus a 530-pound man. God, tell me the and woman I, won. I knew uh, that's what, yeah. I was like, I'm going to watch this because I know the woman's going to beat this guy up. Well, sure, the 500 and what was it, 530? 530. This guy can't move. Kid me? He's well, got no agility. Uh, right, and it was interesting. In the beginning of the match, he pretty much used his body weight against her and, and oh. had her up against the the walls of the ring. Trying to suffocate her. And I actually thought, I was like, wow, he could, he might be able to put a move on here. But once she tripped him up and he went down, it was all over. Couldn't get up. Couldn't get up, but she was just throwing the punches. How so, do you think she could have taken Andre the Giant? A 135-pound female? Well, let me ask you this, Eddie. Are you aware of his size, Andre the Giant? Because he was a seven foot four, five hundred thirty pounds from Grenoble, France. So just about the same weight. Just well, about the, the same weight. That? It's like this guy in Russia decided I want to have the exact same weight as Andre the Giant. Who settles on five thirty? Andre the Giant carried his weight better than this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's probably two feet taller he than carried, the dude. Oh, that's he true. Carried the five. There was a slim five thirty. <laughs> 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 It's very like, slimming, very deceiving. Five thirty, doctor. Big bone, <laughs> doctor. I'm five hundred thirty pounds. Am I overweight? Well, how tall are you? Could she have even choked him out because his neck was so huge? No, she her would not have. Uh, I would not have taken this woman to beat Andre the Giant at seven foot four, five hundred thirty pounds <laughs> from Grenoble, France. Did you like him in The Princess Bride? I never saw The Princess oh, Bride. Come on oh, come now. Goodness. I must say that God, listening. God, that's embarrassing. When now. I listen to Carton and Roberts and I hear them referencing movies and Evan hasn't seen any of them, I'm like Evan. Oh. I've seen very yeah, few I, movies. There are a lot of those classics that I have not seen either. Yeah. But. Come on. But how did this not ever come? I mean, Craig is so into this now with Evan. It's like. I feel like you guys missed the boat there. The fact that he's not aware that you haven't seen a lot of these films. And no, Al, he, he, you love Andre the Giant. You would like that film. That's yeah, it's an excellent film. Craig's aware that we didn't see these films, but like Evan, 
is interested in watching them. So Evan watched four over the weekend. Like I, I, I can't. Again, I'm. I have too many murder documentaries to watch. <laughs> I can't be bothering with myself fiction. with the Princess yeah, Bride. Right. That's a good one to check out. And by the way, I love that My Blue Heaven was on their list. That is yes. an underrated. Uh, that is an excellent. That's a Lopresti family favorite. All right, a Lopresti family favorite. Yeah. Uh, we got to take a quick break here. Uh, Boomer and Geo at six o'clock. We'll have a few minutes on the other side to do one more fun story. Uh, but first, this is uh, Amy Lawrence Sports Minute. I believe this is about Kevin Durant. It's and about the media. Kevin Durant still hating the media. Ooh. Al. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. We have very little time here. Uh, I heard that uh, Obama was briefed about the UFOs. I had nothing, no comment. He had no comment. Oh. 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 Morning 6 to 10.